Welcome to Through Thick and Skin, a podcast about two sisters in business together on a mission to demystify skincare and aesthetic medicine, your online resource for unfiltered truth in a very filtered world. We're your hosts, Erin Jensen and Megan Patterson. You might know us from Instagram, where our business, The Treatment Skin Boutique, has garnered followers through the ever-popular Mondays with Megan Stories series for offering insight on skincare and treatments in an easy-to-understand, candid way. Backed by the expertise of Aesthetic PA, Expert Injector, National trainer and brand builder Aaron Jensen we are here to drop knowledge cutting out the bullshit while making you laugh along the way welcome to through thick and skin podcast this is Megan Patterson and your girl Megan Patterson this is another solo episode you guys uh, Aaron had to go run off and inject some people so I figured you know what let me have another solo mission another episode where it's just me and you friend you're my friend okay if you're listening you're a friend if you accidentally stumbled upon this don't, don't go anywhere. Just stay listening. We're going to have a little story time today. So we're on episode 26 and I just wanted to talk to you guys about me. <laughs> if you're not a fan of me, then yeah, you could change it. But essentially what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of the past episodes have brought up things I wanted to talk about in detail, um, especially my confidence episode. And so I figured it'd be a great time to kind of expand on what Megan was like post high school and kind of like in her early 20s, like her as an early adult. So for episode 26, I want to talk about what it was like as a 20-year-old Megan. How did I kind of find my way? How did I get to where I am now? Because the feedback that we've gotten from some of the podcasts uh, have been incredible. The fact that you've sent these podcasts to other people, to friends and family, to other young women in your life, that's pretty much my duty. I feel like I've been put on this planet to help other um, people, but particularly I have a soft place in my heart for young women who don't feel confident enough. I particularly have a soft spot in my heart for those young people who don't have confidence because I remember being a small, you know, like, or like a younger pudgy flat chested girl in high school. And this is not going to be another confidence podcast. No, I just kind of want to share with you guys my journey because it's not linear whatsoever. I am like the complete opposite from my sister Erin Jensen when it comes to our lifestyle. We grew up in the same household with the same parents, but she is so straight and narrow that I look like a complete vagabond, you know, weirdo compared to her. But I don't say that in a bad way. I say that in just it's my personal experience. And thankfully, I have family that is very that embraces my journey and never judges me for the things I've done that I've done. So this episode is really, um, you know, if you want a little story time about Megan as a youth, but particularly I want to, I want to send this one out to all the young people. If you have any daughters or cousins or sisters in your life who feel kind of aimless or feel like they don't know what they want to do in their lives or they're not sure this episode is for them because I want to let you guys know that I did not know what I wanted to do until I was like, 34 and I'm 35 <laughs> so uh, it was not something that I graduated high school knowing I wanted to do you know I graduated in high school in the year 2003 um, from a private Catholic school in Southern California and at that private high school you know we had counselors that that didn't you know really give us a choice as to 
asking us what we wanted to do. The question was, which college are you going to? Which university are you attending? Uh, you know, community college wasn't really suggested or it wasn't really emphasized. It was kind of like a backup plan. Whereas if I could do it all over again, I would do co community college in a heartbeat, live with my parents, stack money, eat their food, use their washer and dryer, and then emerge two years later with an associate's and then go into, you know, a university where I only had to pay two years of, uh, you know, upper education. Uh, if I could do it over again, I would. No regrets. Um, so with that being said, you know, I went to a high school where I was surrounded with people who got into great schools. And, um, you know, for me, I got into a state school. I went to San Francisco State. I also got into Chico State. And who would have, I mean, God, I, if, if I drank enough to quit drinking at 22, I could only imagine what my life would have been like in Chico. Um, and Chico's beautiful. Chico is unbelievably gorgeous. Chico in Paradise, California. Shoutouts to my best friend, Rachel. Um, so anyways, so I graduated high school, went to San Francisco State, and um, had a blast. You know, I definitely recommend having a college experience, whether it's when you're straight out of high school um, or whether it's two years after you do your community college. Like I said, there's no shame in getting your associates from a community college. I have no regrets in going to San Francisco State. It was actually a great experience for me. So I did the pretty traditional route. I graduated high school when I was 18. And then that fall, I went to San Francisco State. It was far enough to get away from my parents, but it was still in the state of California, so I didn't have to pay out-of-state tuition, and it was a great time. San Francisco State was uh, a commuter school. It was one of the only Cal States I could get into with my grade average without question. At one point, you know, I think all Cal States are impacted now, but it was a really, really fun time in my life, and living in the dorms was an incredible experience. Uh, I smoked a lot of pot. <laughs> I mean, I smoked pot with my professors. It was such a pot-friendly city. And, um, you know, I had to buy pot from, like, a dealer. I, I didn't have the luxury of going to, like, some dispensary where they give you your weed in what looks like a, a Macy's bag, you know, um, all wrapped up or cooked in a brownie. Nope, I had to you know, knock on some stranger's door, pay him cash and get the fuck out. Uh, <laughs> so times are much different now. I, I bring that up because, you know, as you guys know, in my previous in our, in our question and answer episode, I got sober really young because I um, am I'm a recovered alcoholic and drug addict. So I didn't have much time to party because it got bad really quickly. But San Francisco, I don't regret that experience at all. I wasn't in a sorority. Erin was definitely in a sorority. She went to private LMU, Loyola Marymount University, Jesuit University in Los Angeles. So, you know, she could go home to mom and dad's to do some laundry if she wanted to. For me, I came down at like Thanksgiving and Christmas, but it was a perfect experience for me because I loved the culture of San Francisco. I loved going to the parks, Golden Gate Park. I loved going to Oakland. I loved, you know, murals and in, in the mission. I loved the food of San Francisco. I, I, I just I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I spent eight years in San Francisco uh, with one year break in Querétaro, Mexico. So you guys might not know why I speak Spanish. I'm not Latina. I am not. I mean, I wish I was, but I'm not. I don't have one drop of Latin blood in me. I am white AF. I mean, I took the test and I'm like 51% white and 49% pale white. So I'm like Irish and German and a little bit of Norwegian. But ever since I was little, I grew up in Ontario, California. I grew up in South Ontario where I was the only white girl in the neighborhood. So I was blessed to have such a multicultural experience where I grew up with different families, learning different things, learning about different music. And a lot of my friends when I was younger were Mexican. So I grew up going to quinceañeras. I grew up going to, you know, bautizos. I went to, I, I grew up 
learning about pozole menudo. I learned, I grew up learning about, you know, all the different foods that came out at Christmas time. And I just loved the warm culture of, of Mexican culture. So when there was an exchange program offered at San Francisco State, I said, I got to go. Like, there's no doubt in my mind I'm going to do an exchange program. Like, absolutely. And at that time, San Francisco State only had three options for Spanish-speaking programs. So one option was Spain, which didn't really tickled me much. I, I didn't have much interest in Spain whatsoever. Also, I just heard, I just imagined being in Spain meant you just traveled to like Denmark and Brussels and you actually never spoke Spanish. And also the type of Spanish spoken just didn't really appeal to me. I like, you know, Chicano or Mexican Spanish. And so then the, the second program was in Chile and that was a program that required you to test into. So you had to actually pass like a proficiency. And I wasn't proficient enough in my junior year of college to speak. I mean, I thought I was a G because I could order a burrito like pretty flawlessly or be like, la cuenta por favor. But I did not know Spanish enough to go to the Chilean program, which I'm glad because there was nothing about, there was nothing about the country of Chile or Chilenos that really spoke to me. But the third choice was Mexico. And I was like, a huevo, that's my programa. That's where I wanted to go to. And they said, okay, you're going to a town called Querétaro. And I was like, well, 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 well. I mean, my mom still can't pronounce it. She calls it Querétaro. And I'm like, no, mom, it's Querétaro, Querétaro, repeat after me, Querétaro. And she's like, Querétaro. And I'm like, good enough, that's fine. So there was only one option for the exchange program. They're like, you're going to Querétaro, Mexico. And I was like, okay, let's go. I mean, I looked it up on a map. I was like, wow, um, this seems like a really small little town. There's probably no paved roads. They probably travel by burro. I mean, I was so naive and so ignorant that when I arrived at my destination, I flew from San Francisco to Mexico City. Then we took a three-hour bus ride to Querétaro. I landed at kind of like the, the little bus terminal, and I see my host mom. And my host mom is more blonde than my real biological mother. She has eyes more blue than my biological mother. So I say, hello, my name's Megan. I'm your new host daughter. And she was like, hola, me llamo Covadonga. No hablo inglés, perdón. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And at that moment, I was like, what the fuck did I sign up for? Like, this is not what I thought. First of all, there's paved roads. First of all, I just saw like a Denny's and a Walmart. Like, this is not the Mexico I thought of. Because growing up as a child, I would go to Tijuana and Rosarito. And so I knew like Baja Norte, like the, the cruise ports of Mexico. I did not know about colonial central Mexico, the heart of Mexico. And that's why I wanted to go so badly. And I'm so glad I did. So I get off this bus. My host mother, her name is Covadonga which is super Spanish. She was kind of a fresa. She was kind of stuck up, but she did not speak English with me at all. She was like, I don't speak English. And then I later realized six months after living with her that she speaks fluent English. She just did that to, she just did that to play with me or, or teach me, which was amazing. I mean, she really like, I had to work my way up from the bottom to learn this language. So my host mother, Covadonga, who looks as white as me, you guys, like she looks blonde, like there's all these blondies that I'm seeing where I'm like, what is going on? She's like, okay, in Spanish, mind you, I had no idea what she was saying at the time in Spanish. She's like, okay, we're going to go eat dinner with my friend. He's a lawyer and his wife's a doctor. And so we go to this super fancy restaurant. I look like a bum because I had just traveled, you know, 10 hours. I got a backpack on. I look super dusty and I'm sitting with all these like aristocrats and doctors and like Mexican royalty. And I'm just like, where am I? Like, I thought I was going to be riding on a burro, you know, and now I'm eating at this white linen tablecloth restaurant having French food in Mexico. It was a mind, it was a mind trip. So we had, so I live with Covadonga for six months and um, she was amazing. I mean, mind you, I was kind of, I was drinking heavy at this time. So 
<laughs> I'll never forget one of my favorite memories. I don't think I mentioned this on the last podcast about my um, my drunken escapades. But so when you become an exchange student, I went to Tech de Monterrey, which is a private university, El Instituto Tecnológico de Estudios Superiores de Monterrey. So Monterey is a state in Mexico, and it's kind of like, um, you know, each state has this school. So it's across the entire country of Mexico, and I went to the one in Querétaro. Querétaro is the smallest state in the whole Republic of Mexico. Um, but politically, it's very famous. There were some famous events that happened there, and it's very small and very quiet and very quaint and very beautiful. So, you know, I was at this, the tech is what we called it, Tech de Monterrey, and I was one of like 20 exchange students, so they had a welcome night. And uh, we went to go party at this club, like, welcome extranjeros, which is how you say exchange students in Spanish. And we um, <laughs> we go to the club. I proceed to get shit-faced wasted. I black out. And in a blackout, I um, damage property at the club. I throw a sign on a car that happened to be long to the owner of the club. So I damage property and I escape. I flee the scene. I run. Uh, after I think in my blackout realizing what I did and I ran to the club next door and I partied at the club next door uh, continued to dance in the baguettes make friends just have a blast I mean I don't remember this because this is when my blackout started happening and then I returned to the first club because I came to I came out of my blackout it started to come more clear and I was like I got to go to the first bar because that's where all my friends are because remember guys before I blacked out that's where I was so I returned to this bar and all these very friendly security guards surround me. And I'm like, oh, they must be getting me a taxi cab because my friends have left me, you know. And then uh, I, and, and I don't know. I barely know Spanish at this point. I mean, I'm like a week into Mexico. And I see this little twerp of a man come up who happened to be the owner of the club. And he said, and I'm like, I'm just waiting for a cab. These security guards are getting me my cab, obviously. That's why they're protecting me. And he's like, no, you're going to jail. He's like, you fucked up my car. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember that. I was blacked out, you guys. I don't remember at all throwing a, this metal sign on a, a Volkswagen. Apparently, fucked up the car door. And at that point, I started to bawl and cry and say, I don't know what you're saying. And, and I was like, you can't take me to jail and this, that, or the other. And I just, luckily, one of the other um, students from tech, this Mexican woman who, sp who spoke fluent, English and Spanish she helped me dissipate the situation and we exchanged information so I could you know get some help and pay him for the damage I had done and uh, then I proceeded to go to another club and I kept partying with mascara smeared down my face and I was wiling and just I mean I was really that was just the beginning you guys I have so many stories like this and I came home that night um, because I had gone missing my friends had called my host mother throughout the night and so when I returned my host mother just looked at me and she said you know like where have you been and I I looked like shit. I smelled like shit. And she said, you look like a rata mojada, which means you look like a wet rat. And I did not know what that meant at the time. And then I put it together. And uh, that pretty much was the beginning of my bottom, uh, sliding into my rock bottom. Uh, that was one of many events that had happened where I did things in blackouts or whatever. So uh, this is not going to be a whole blackout uh, story time from Megan, but I just want to tell you guys about my my call my early college years. So I had a blast in Mexico. Um, Covadonga taught me Spanish. She cooked really good food. I learned that in Mexico, you usually eat like your biggest meal at around 3 p.m., um, you know, breakfast doesn't really exist. I also learned that Mexicans are, are come in different shades, you know. Um, and then I moved in with some some like younger Mexicans later in the centro, and that was a blast. I mean, that's where I really picked up my Spanish. That's where I really picked up my slang. And I'll never forget the moment when I realized I was actually fluent. Um, was I was sick with um, like a sore throat, 
And at this time, you know, the, the program at Tech de Monterrey was very intense. I was in Spanish classes eight hours a day, you guys. I had never studied harder in my life than when I went to Mexico. I had never seen such studious people in my life. I mean, I, the library was cracking on a Friday night. Like, the Mexicans I went to school with would study until 11 p.m., party at midnight until about 3, then wake up, work out in the morning, and study some more. Like, they, like, pressure made diamonds with these students. And and most of the, the people I studied alongside were engineers, you know, accountants, like, very studious professions, um, agronimos, like, um, agriculture, because, you know, Queretaro, there's a lot of dairy and stuff that takes place there, a lot of dairy industries. So... I just remember being blown away at the just sheer tenacity of Mexicans. Like we would party hard and study even harder. So I would spend eight hours a day, nine hours a day in Spanish classes, just conjugating verbs, just memorizing vocabulary, like grammar, 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 composition. I'd write 12 page papers on NAFTA, you know, like my mind would explode. I would have to, I would sleep more. My brain hurt. And so one day I wasn't fluent yet, and I had to go to the pharmacy and tell the person I was sick, like the pharmacist. So I walk into this pharmacy. I'm exhausted, and I'm trying to tell her in English, thinking she'd understand. And she just looks at me with her head cocked like, I don't know what you're saying. And it was like I, I was possessed. It was like an exorcism of words. I just all of a sudden became fluent. It like fell out of my mouth like vomit. I was just like, ah, me duele mi garganta y también no puedo tomar nada. Es que requete papá. And, and, and she was like, okay, entonces necesitas una pastilla de barracata. And I was like, holy shit, I think I'm fluent. I think it's finally working. I think it's kicked in. Whoa. And that point, I was fluent. It was wild. And, you know, this program at Tech de Monterrey was a year. And I'm, at first I was a little weary of being gone for a year, but I wish it went on for two years. You know, when I left, I was kind of engaged. I mean, I was ready to marry a dude in Michoacan, you know, like I was ready to just like settle down, have a Mexican husband, have Mexican babies and like have my family come and visit me and be, you know, the one sister that has, you know, little blended babies. Like I was, I was really, I mean, and I'm so glad because I was at 22 years old to do that. Hell no, you know, no way. Um, but with that being said, I had an amazing year in Mexico. I became fluent in a, in a language that's not my own. I'm the only Spanish-speaking person in my family. I made incredible friendships that are still with me to this day. Um, I have a little crew, actually, of homegirls from Mexico. So, like, the English speakers, they all stuck together because it was very comfortable to speak English, you know? You really had to put yourself out there. Well, I found a, a, a girl from Querétaro to become my best friend and uh, another girl from San Francisco who spoke Spanish as much as I wanted to. And we, we were just like a little girl gang. We called ourselves Las Horchatas Madres, um, which is a playoff of the saying echar desmadre. Echar is a verb, which means like to throw or to toss. Um, and then desmadre is just like messiness or craziness. So to, to throw messiness or whatever, it's just a saying to like get fucked up or to fuck shit up. So echar desmadre. One night drunk, I said, instead of echar desmadre, I said horchatas madres. So that's where our little nickname came from, and I'm still friends with these women today. Um, we're super tight. We're super close. We have so many inside jokes. I mean, if if I could tell you the one time, you know, we popped a tire in the middle of Morelia, and we had to hitchhike in the back of a chicken truck, and we ended up at a karaoke bar where I played bass guitar. I have that story, you guys. Like... The year abroad I spent in Mexico was one of the most memorable, unforgettable, exciting years of my life. Even though, you know, I did party hard, 
I wouldn't change it for anything. I absolutely would not change, you know, the trouble I got in in Mexico because of my drinking or, you know, the one time I got really sick from drinking the water. Covadonga didn't tell me that the water I was drinking came from the tap, which I know seems like a pretty obvious thing, but I didn't realize one day that I was drinking tap water until we had ran out of the little the little jar of water on the table and she went to fill it up with tap water. And I was like, oh my God, I've been drinking tap water for six months. And I came down with... um. I, I contracted an amoeba because one day I thought I had a hangover from hell, but it ended up being like vertigo for four days. And I was like, man, does tequila really mess me up for five days? What a gnarly hangover. So I go to the doctor and I said, doctor, I have una cruda de la verga. <laughs> and I'm not going to translate that for you guys. Only my, my Spanish speaking friends can get that because it's pretty, pretty nasty. But he was like, okay. He's like, let me listen to your stomach. So I lie down on the, and he puts his stethoscope to my stomach. And I'll never forget, he pulls a little ear out of his stethoscope, out of his ear. And he's like, orale. And I was like, que, doctor. And he was like, you have animalitos. You have little animals in your body. He's like, it's an amoeba called Girardia. And I was like, what is that? And he's like, it's a little animal. It can get in your body. It can get in your brain. It can kill you if it gets in your bloodstream. And I'm like, oh, my God, doctor, what do I do? And he's like, take these pills for 14 days and don't drink. Whatever you do, don't drink when you take these pills. So I said, okay, doctor. So what do I do? I take the pills for four days. I drink for three. Take the pills for four. Drink for three. Because I was like, you know, once I combine all that, that'll equal 14 days. And that little animalito will be killed. Also, I was like, tequila will kill the animalito inside of me. Um, I'm still living to this day, thank God. But, you know, I just have so many funny stories like that. And um, the culture that welcomed me like no other, I felt completely safe in Mexico. And I would walk around, you know, just shit-faced. And I would just find myself back at my apartment. I spent many amazing time. I mean, I would be invited to ranch parties, to pool parties, to Mexico City parties. I mean... You know, the guy I was engaged to, he told me, you need to make up your mind if we're going to get married. I said, okay, let me go to Costa Rica and think about it for a week. So I go to Costa Rica. I, I, I sit long and hard on the beach in Tamarindo, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to marry this dude. He's really top notch. I mean, he'll take care of me. He's tall. He's handsome. He's Mexican. How could I go wrong? So I go back to Mexico ready to profess my my yes to his marriage proposal to take finally take the ring. And I go to his, he was having a party at his house in, in Bosque de las Lomas which is this really ritzy neighborhood in Mexico City. And I go to this party and I'm like all dramatic. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to be your vieja, to be your wife. Like, I'm here, I'm yours. And he was like, ooh, yeah, about that. Um, and then I see this chick's arm come over his shoulder. And I was like, ¿Quién es esa? Which in Spanish means like, who's this? And she was like, hola, me llamo Dulce. And I was like, her name's Candy? Her name's Candy. And he was like, sorry. He's like, you'd left me for a week. I didn't know what to do. And I was like, whatever. So me and the man, Moe, did not get married, unfortunately. But it's okay. I still hear from him every now and then. He always sends me a nice message anytime I post up a thirst trap. Or he always likes my pictures and stuff like that. So shout outs to Moe. Who knows what my life would have looked like. I could have been a mom to three babies, you know. But instead, I'm here with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> for the treatment podcast. So um, so anyways, the Mexico experience was absolutely incredible. So if you have any younger people in your life, do it sooner rather than later. I mean, I know there's programs where you could do exchange in high school, but, you know, I pay the same amount. It's funny. I pay the same amount of tuition to go to Mexico and I went to a private university. I came back fluent in a language that's not my own. That in itself is priceless. That is worth more than anything 
that I can speak fluent Spanish. It has gotten me into amazing situations, out of weird situations. It's a, an amazing party trick. Uh, it's created bonds with people. That's beautiful to see somebody light up when you speak their language, you know, showing that I care and that I try and that I want to bridge the gap culturally. Um, the Mexican culture is is just delicious. I mean, literally and figuratively, the food is incredible. I could eat Mexican food all day long till the day I die. I mean, there's so many different forms of it, but also the culture itself is very delicious in the sense that it's vibrant, it's colorful, it's warm, it is uh, welcoming. You know, I never felt like an outcast, although I am taller than almost every Mexican in the country, <laughs> that I'm blonder, you know, like I always felt welcome and a part of and included and taken care of and thought about, you know, in that country to the point where I now spend um, about half of my time in Mexico, believe it or not. I know on Instagram, you guys think that I'm really just kind of like, you know, like floating around Claremont and Newport Beach, but I'm actually spending about three weeks out of the month in Mexico because I have a home down there. And so it's, it's truly my happy place. And I love the country and I am just so grateful for my experience. So, you know, if you don't, if you aren't comfortable with learning another language, just go to the UK, you know, or do an English speaking program in Sweden. You don't have to go to a university to participate in this exchange program. I know some people that taught English in Korea, taught, you know, taught English in China. I think it gave me so much more confidence because I went to a country without knowing, I mean, all I could say is I want a, a burrito in Spanish. And I came back fluent. I came back with a degree, a bachelor's degree in Spanish. I could talk for an hour on international relations between Mexico and the United States in fluent Spanish. Um, you know, and I wouldn't have got that if unless I threw myself into the deep end by doing an exchange program like that. Um, so it's an amazing confidence builder to do something scary, get out of your comfort zone, but also you make friends that will last a lifetime in these other countries. You learn about different things, um, and it's absolutely worth it. So if you have any young people in your life, please, please, please pressure them into moving abroad. <laughs> please pressure them into trying something because once you get tied down in a relationship, once you have children, once you have a mortgage, it's not easy to just jump up and a year later, right, you know, like just jump up and spend a year in another country. Also, I think after a certain age, I don't know if it's 27 or why that number speaks to me, but after a certain age, it just becomes ex like exponentially harder to absorb a language. And, you know, I took Spanish classes throughout high school and college, but there was nothing like complete and total immersion. So after I did my year in Mexico, I returned to San Francisco and lived there for a couple of years and had a blast. Um, I graduated with a bachelor's in hospitality management with an emphasis in recreation and leisure. And I chose that major because, you know, like all good college students, you go in as a business major. It's so broad and vague and it's kind of like a catch all, like an umbrella. And I did it because I thought it was safe, but I found myself just struggling in these boring, stale ass accounting class, stale e economics classes, like, it was just really, really hard to stay focused. And then um, you need an emphasis. You need something beyond business. And uh, this one professor changed my life forever, Dr. Tierney. He he was just like, I, I kind of, you know, like thought about like, what do I want to do? You know, and he was the head of the recreation department, which sounds like a total stoner major, like recreation. Like, what do you do? Ropes course? Yeah, actually, one of my classes was a ropes course. And um, <laughs> I my internship was at a recreation center, which was really, really cool. But he just changed my life. He was like, what would you do for free? And I said, I would like work at a bed and breakfast. He's like, that's it. 
He's like, you would be an amazing recreation and leisure emphasis. And so that's what I decided. And then that's when my classes started to become enjoyable because I was learning about resorts and restaurants and bar law, you know, like and legalities when it came to drinking laws and owning a bar. And I was like, this is so much fun. And I was like, this is my calling. So if you're struggling and you don't have to be a 20 year old or a college student to ask yourself this question, what would you do in life? Even if it was for free, what would you? And for some people, they're like, oh, my answer is too silly because I would be a karaoke singer. Okay, then you could be a karaoke DJ. You know, like you have to live your truth, you guys. You have to live your truth. There might be a fear of taking, you know, the leap and doing something that really makes you happy because you think it doesn't make enough money. But what if I told you, like, even if you don't make enough money, but you love what you do, like money doesn't matter. You know, like I've made more money than I could have imagined. And I've been broke as shit. Like I've had all aspects, you know, and maybe I'll have another story time episode where I tell you guys about like my private jet life and my penthouse life and, you know, my Vegas life when I thought I was Sharon Stone. That could be another episode. That could be another story time with Megan. But this story time is just like how I thought that I was floundering because I didn't know what to do. You know, I loved Spanish. I loved Mexico. But how did that translate? And once I was asked the question, what would you do for free? I said, I would do travel. I would do hospitality. I would do, uh, you know, coordinating, travel coordinating. And he was like, that's it. And my final thesis, my senior, pro- my senior project was creating my own like bed and breakfast. That was not a project. That was not a homework assignment. That was a delight to do. So if you're listening to this podcast as a college student, don't worry about knowing what your major is as soon as you come in. Don't even worry about that. And also, if you don't want to go to college, that's totally fine too. This might be a little unpopular of an opinion, but I think that finding something you love as a trade, whether it's plumbing, electrical, um, carpentry, ironwork, bricklaying, um, is amazing way to find your path and get to work right away. I mean, I don't have my master's degree because I personally want somebody else to pay for it. If I'm going to go to school, (laughs) I had to pay for my own underground completely by myself. I got no scholarships. I got no money from my parents. So the idea of hunkering down another hundred K for a fucking degree just sounds dreadful. Also, I enjoy learning by doing. I think that foot, like feet on the ground, working my butt off, working for companies, working for different people is the best form of education for me. So don't feel bad if you don't want to go to college. It's completely okay. College isn't for everybody. You know, my brother, he went, to, he became a pilot and, and he soloed at 16 and he went to college later on in life. He just went straight to flying, you know, so it doesn't have to be that linear and that traditional. I still went to college just like my sister, but I'm, Aaron went to like, LMU from age 18 to 21, then USC, then got married, then went to, you know, then became a PA and has been a PA ever since. I'm like, eh, I'll go to San Francisco. Sure. I'll smoke a lot of pot. Then I'll go to Mexico. Okay, cool. Then I come back from Mexico. Then I'm in San Francisco. Then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to move to Chicago. Chicago sounds kind of cool. I don't know anybody there, but fuck it. Let's do it. So I I think I'm going to wrap the episode up here with story time with Megan because I want to give you guys little chunks and bits and pieces um, to what my life has been like that has led me up to where I am today. But San Francisco is an amazing time. I knew, though, when I was leaving that I was ready. You know, I graduated from San Francisco State with two degrees. I went into work for the W Hotel and I was a VIP coordinator for a little bit and then I worked back of house or PBX as it's commonly called. So I was like the phone operator and I have some crazy stories from that that involve, you know, hookers, sex toys and Starbucks. So maybe I'll talk about it one day, but um, you know, it was a lot of fun. And then I kind of transitioned to the second phase of my twenties, my adulthood, um, moving to Chicago and Las Vegas. And that's where it gets very juicy and fun. 
My Vegas Days is an episode in itself. <laughs> but anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed a little story time with Megan just to get to know me on a deeper level. I feel like you guys are my friends. Um, the way you guys DM me, I feel like I we, we kind of know each other. We keep up with each other. And I really appreciate you guys following us and listening to us. Um, so make sure to share this. You guys might be completely bored of my upbringing. But if you have any questions, always DM me at Through Thick and Skin Podcast. And make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and to follow us on Spotify. So until then, guys, thank you so much and take care. <laughs>